What's a movie everybody should watch at least once? Forrest Gump, total classic and Tom at his best. And I like to think that mortgages are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. No, you don't. <laughs> I like that. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Welcome to the Island B Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, we talk to a rookie who's making waves in the industry to find out how they're succeeding in this crazy competitive market. And today on the show, I have Jennifer Lilly. She's based out of Barrie, Ontario. Got licensed just eight months ago, but is already starting to find her stride. And a couple of takeaways from this episode. First, in the question where I asked her about a file that she had lost when she first started out and how she would do it different, now that she's got a bit more knowledge, she talks about how she had a family friend who wanted to do an equity takeout for some renos. Problem was there was a big penalty. She shares how she would solve that now, looking at it differently. Also, one of the cool things that Jennifer did when we did some training with her was we showed her how to create what's called a Love 19 campaign to build a massive list of people that are in your market and your community and she's built a list of over 500 people the only problem is is she hasn't been emailing them a ton and so at the end of this episode i actually coached jennifer on exactly what i would do with that list so i think you're going to enjoy that i want to give a shout out to our title sponsor finmo so finmo is a canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform that is very easy to use it's slick you know we use it at our brokerage that we have and our agents find it very quick to pick up it's got smart docs it's got smart submission notes it's connected to lender spotlights so you can figure out guidelines and rates it really is an all-in-one tool go check out finmo.ca and in our ask the expert segment i talked to ben mccabe from bloom finance or the canada's newest and most exciting reverse mortgage company about reverse mortgages versus alternatives so you can check those guys out at bloomfin.ca and check out this episode with Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, Scott. Thanks. So, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. I'm in the Barrie, Ontario area, and I've been in the real estate field in a marketing capacity for over 15 years and mortgage agent since March of this year. And what kind of marketing were you doing in real estate? Like, what was your role? So I worked for a real estate team in the area, and they're the top in all of Canada. I did that for about six years, and then on my own in 2016, and started my business. And my clients were strictly realtors. So I had a niche business going where I just, you know, marketed directly to them and did the marketing and graphic design that they needed. Right. Okay. So you basically worked for this top real estate team, got really good at it, and then end up going on your own, doing your own thing. So then what led you to get into the mortgage business, which I think you said was March this year. So welcome to this amazing industry. You know, it's way more rewarding than you think, and also more challenging than you think, most people think anyway. So what made you pivot into this? Yeah, I was actually looking to make a change for a little while there. And I really wanted to stay in the real estate field. I've just always had a passion for it. And I thought about it for quite a while. And I think COVID really gave me that push. Things were starting to change in my business. And with the market just going crazy, the realtors weren't quite putting as much into their marketing as they used to. So you're saying that when the business is just falling in their lap, they're like, I don't need to spend any money in marketing, right? Which is true. As soon as it slows down, which I don't think is going to happen anytime soon, marketing and stuff will come back. They're like, okay, we got to start to hustle again. So that made you decide to shift. It was just kind of like the push I needed, but I already was really leaning to go into something new. Just it had been a while and 
still had such a passion for industry, but thought it was time for a change. Yeah. So I just thought I'd give this a try and had an interest in it for a while. It's quite different than what I expected, but I think in a good way. Right, right. So did you start full-time, part-time? I mean, if you were self-employed, then did you just jump in with both feet? For the most part, yeah. I started full-time right from the beginning, but I still kept my business going part-time on the side. So full-time hours for the mortgage side of things. And what I would do is just keep my other business going off hours. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I just felt kind of bad leaving the clients hanging. They really relied on what I was doing. It also, I think, really helped bridge the gap as I've been building my business. So that's been a help as well. And are you still doing some marketing for realtors right now? Still doing it very part-time and not taking on any new clients, but yeah, just doing it part-time. Okay, that's good. So it's kind of like keeps your income coming in while you're getting your mortgage business going. So is there any point that you questioned like, well, what have I got myself into? This is like, or the whole time you've been like, this is amazing, like any self-doubt or anything that you've had? I haven't questioned the decision. I feel like it's exactly where I'm meant to be. What I have struggled with a bit is all the work you put into files at the beginning of the career with so many of them going nowhere. And Mm -hmm. that's been a little discouraging at times, but I know with every file that I do, I'm learning so much that I wouldn't be otherwise. And I'm gaining so much more confidence with each one. So it's never a waste. Right. That makes sense. And what surprised you most about the mortgage business? You're in the real estate sort of side, but so you'd have some sense of it, but what surprised you about our industry that you know, people didn't realize? I think the learning curve, it's tremendous. And I wasn't expecting that. I didn't really know what to expect with everything, but I didn't realize how in depth it would be and that it would be such a continual process. It can be overwhelming at times, but I also feel that it keeps things interesting and it's never boring, which I also really like. The creative side of me really likes the challenges of it as well. Right. It's not usually boring. It's more terrifying than boring for most people when you're new. It's like, (laughs) oh my gosh, there's so much to learn. I have to say though, it's much more difficult today than it was when I started. Like when I started 15 years ago, the guidelines were simpler. Like it was just easier and it's more challenging today given the complexity of product, given the you know competition is more, all these things. So, okay, I want to ask you about, I always find that when I talk to new people, there's a learning that happens on every file. And I feel like you learn underwriting primarily by doing the one file at a time. You can't really learn it from just reading broker kits. But what's a file that you lost when you started out that today you wouldn't lose or you'd know how to do different? Because I think that this is a great opportunity for you to share something you learned for our listeners to go, oh, hopefully I don't make that same, you know, I don't yeah. trip up on that same thing. Yeah. In the beginning, one of the first files I ever worked on was a friend of the family and they asked me about a possible refinance and they were wanting to take out some equity so that they could create a home office in their basement, you know, height of COVID and working at their dining table type of scenario. At the time, I knew to look at a straight refinance and since their penalty was pretty high, they decided not to go ahead. And now I would look into options like a second mortgage or like a home equity line visa or possibly even a problem. So Mm -hmm. just knowing that more products out there than just the obvious, which is all I knew about at the beginning. Yeah, your purchase refinance, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so now when you think back on that file, which option do you think would have been best for that client? I think probably a home equity line visa for them. It probably would have been nice and 
fairly quick and easy because they would have qualified for it easily and just would have been great to have the money available, the funds available to be able to do their renovations that they wanted. So, right. Yeah, that's good. If you're paying attention, listening to this, plunk that in your head. If you're new, you know, there's more options than just necessarily breaking the mortgage. Okay. So there's kind of two distinct skills. I always say when you're learning your mortgage business, there's sales and underwriting, which one was harder for you? When I started, I thought sales would be really difficult for me, but I actually enjoyed it. I enjoy it now because I feel more that it's about building the relationships. And I love using marketing background as part of that. So for me, it's the underwriting for sure, figuring out where a client fits and how to make a deal work. But I actually really love the feeling when I find a great solution for a difficult file. I kind of feel like there's nothing like that, you know, that feeling when you make things work that really feels like it shouldn't have worked. No. Right. It's kind of like the massive dopamine hit you get. You're like, yes, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm i a mortgage queen or king of mortgages. Okay. Yeah. So we yeah. did some coaching with you. And so for you, what was kind of your biggest takeaway that you've applied to your business? I would say the realtor pitch was probably the biggest takeaway I had. It really helped me to figure out what my value adds are and to have things solid to wow a realtor with when I meet with them. It's just really given me a good basis for when I have presentations, either in a Zoom call or in person. And I just find it really has an impact. Like they're very impressed and I feel like it gives me a lot of credibility. Right. And so have you been able to get referrals from realtors using that? Yeah, I have. I've actually developed referral partnerships with at least a few agents from that. So right. that's great. That's kind of the goal, right? You build that trust and then stay in touch and good things happen. Okay. So that's some rapid fire questions. You can answer with shorter answers if you like. So what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? So in 2016, I actually started a singles events group when I was still single. And I met my husband at the very first event and we were married about well 10 months later. It's like, <laughs> that's hilarious. And so then what happened with the singles event group? It's still running. It's still oh, running. Else is running it? Yeah, someone else is kind of heading it up, but we just go just to be sort of the social committee, making sure everybody has a chance to connect and still have a heart for that. So it's still right. going. It's a good network for people to get to know you and uh, find out like that you're in the mortgage biz. And so actually um, I just formed a new realtor partnership and I was connected to him through someone from that group. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like it's a very powerful way to build relationships. Okay. So what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? Horace Gump, total classic and Tom at his best. And I like to think that mortgages are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. No, you don't. <laughs> I like that. I was in Savannah two years ago and we went to the park where they filmed it, but apparently the original bench that he sat on when they filmed it, somebody stole it. They don't know who, but somebody actually took the bench that he used for the, so anyway, a little Forrest Gump awesome. trivia. <laughs> uh, okay. What's that couple of pieces of tech you can't run your business without? Actually, probably the biggest thing is my contest landing pages. My husband builds them for me. He's a web programmer and it's kind of based on the Love 19 giveaway concept that we start with and my training you. And he built out these landing pages that I use now for all of my giveaways. And I'm able to share them with people, but also get them to share them with other people to get more people signing up. And it's helped me to build my data to about 500 people in less than eight months. So Wow. So you built a list of 800. And how often do you email them? 
that part is what I'm working on now because I haven't been, you know, utilizing it to the best. So right now I'm really focusing on building my email campaigns and I'm using active campaign for that. So that's I my huge focus. Right so at Just, the end of this, there's two topics that we can chat about because I like to do a little mini coaching. If you want, I could talk about some ideas, what I would do with that list of 500. Is that okay with you? I would love that. Yeah, I love email marketing too. It's my like, oh, I love it. Okay, so for a guy who took business English, you know, like in my very first business English class, I spelled business wrong on my paper and the teacher's like, Scott, if you're in business English, you gotta learn how to spell business. I'm like, frick, I'm so stupid. I put like B-U-I-S, whatever. Anyways, okay. It's all part of your story. I don't have any shame about these things. It's just what it is what it is. Okay, so what's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? Two things. One is start and grow your database from day one which is huge. And the second is planting seeds. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful when I feel really discouraged. And I feel like, you know, sometimes like, is it going to start picking up or things going to start taking hold? And yeah, I just, the more I plant the seeds, the more things I do, I see things come out of it. So I just keep planting the seeds, keep putting myself out there, marketing myself and trying to connect with people. And I see the results from it. So those two things, if I was to give someone that was starting out some advice, I would say, do as much training as they have time and the funds to do, because it makes a huge difference. The learning curve is incredibly steep. And a lot of it's counterintuitive. The things that you think will help you don't. So a lot of people don't understand that, but that's kind of how that works. Okay. So, and if you're starting over, what would you do different? If you were like, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but is there anything you would do different if you're starting over again today? Definitely. I think working with mentor one-on-one from day one is what I would have done differently. In my brokerage, I had amazing support and help right from the start. But I think having a mentor is taking us to a whole new level. I think it really makes a difference. And I always have someone I can ask questions or turn to when I'm stuck and just gives me a lot more confidence. So that's definitely something I would Yeah, recommend. everybody needs to have a Yoda, you know, who's yep. their person that helps. Okay, so let's talk about this marketing to list. So a couple of questions. How many emails have you sent to that list so far? So, so far I've sent emails, like just random emails. I have different groups set up. I have everybody categorized. So whether it's personal friends and family or acquaintances or my contests, I have them grouped as well. So people that I know personally, I've sent them a few emails, just saying what I'm up to, giving them some examples of clients I've worked with and how I've been able to help them. And For everyone who I've added to my database through the different giveaways I've done, I've only emailed them so far when I've been keeping them up to date on the current giveaway. So I need to switch that over to start telling them about the mortgage side of things so I can start actually getting business from it. Okay, so here's what I would do. So when you have a contest, what does that look like? Just before Halloween, I did a Halloween coloring contest. And I put it out to my local community and did it for kids as well as adults. And I had a prize for each, but it was really cool seeing the response. Everybody got really excited because it was different and a lot of families did it together. So I emailed out to my database from previous contests and put it out to like the local, you know, Facebook groups and that kind of thing. Right. Okay. And then how many people did you add to your list during that campaign? During that campaign, I think 
for emails, I added 30 to 40 from that one. It was just like a and then kind of half to what was so you don't always do the coloring contest. So here's what I would do. And what's your next contest you're planned? My next contest is a gingerbread house competition. Okay. So what I would do, you're getting them to do stuff, which is cool. Well, I would get them sometimes to answer questions to either get an extra ballot or to. So like, for instance, if you send an email to your list and said, hey, this month I'm giving away something cool, right? Whatever that is, could be something to do with Christmas. And in order to enter, all you have to do is answer this question. And the question I'd ask is, what is your number one real estate or mortgage question? Mm-hmm. So why I ask that question is, is because that's a conversation starting question. You send that question, they're going to say, oh, now you have a reason to reach out and say, hey, I can help with that. Right. So you want to start adding in a question that they have to answer is basically a way for you to start to get intel on people in your list. That would be the first thing I would say is think about strategic use of questions that are tied to your contests. The second thing is, is that whenever you're sending emails and you have a marketing background, but whenever you send emails to your list, it's really important to make them look like one to one. Do not write emails that are one to many. It should feel like it's coming from Jennifer. And so my best performing emails are emails that are text-based. You can put in some images, but they don't look like newsletters. If it looks like it and smells like a big newsletter, if it looks like it goes to lots of people, nobody pays attention to it. If it looks like Jennifer sent me this, I got to pay attention. So I use language like, hey, how are you doing? It's personal. And so my wife has a sourdough business that does quite well. And so we have a girl who basically runs the whole thing. And we do these workshops that lead to upgrades to membership. Her name is Trista. And I said, Trista, she got a large, like a 15,000 person email list. We got to run email campaigns to them before. And then once they sign up after with a bunch of sequences, and she uses active campaign. I'm like, use text-based emails. And sourdough bread is very pretty. So you can imagine you got like pictures and images. So it looks good. So she didn't believe that text-based would outperform these beautiful images of bread. Like people like the bread. So she ran and she's like, I didn't believe you so I had to test it for myself. I said, that's fine. And the text-based emails were five times more sales than the image-based emails. And if you look at any of the top marketers, that's what they do. The top marketers use text-based and it's usually stories, you know, that lead to a call to action. So first thing is use strategic questions to start moving that audience towards, you know, getting to know that you're actually a mortgage expert. Cause right now they just think you're a friendly giving away stuff person. That's great. But now we need to move them into the fact that you're an expert. The second thing is, is make the emails personalized and text-based. And then the third thing is sometimes even with the full list, share with them a example of some problem that you solved with a call to action so that they start to see you as an expert. If an email goes out and says, hey, just had this recently come up. Here's the problem. Here's how we solved it. If you know anybody that's running that situation, we'd be happy to help, you know, hit reply to this email and make it a story, right? Make it story based and then just tell the story, obviously, with a personal, you know, Bob Smith, who lives at this address, his credit score was 550. But we did like use some discretion with this. But the idea is that you'll actually engage them to go, wow, I already like you because you're doing these cool giveaways. But now I trust you as a mortgage advisor because you're actually showing me that you have this knowledge. So that's what I would do with that list of 500. And here's the thing about people. So as provided these people are over the you know homeowner age, maybe they'll say that they're not all homeowner age. Let's say 400 of them are. Let's say 100 or not. You know, That means that on average, and the mortgages in Canada are every five years. So out of that 400, 75 every year would actually need to do something with their mortgage. Because, you know, every year you got 20% of mortgages approximately are renewing. So there's a lot in that database that could potentially need something from you, but only if they know that you can help them. So that's what I would do. Hopefully that's helpful to you. Let me know how it goes, because I think that'd be cool to see what you do with it, because that's an amazing accomplishment in such a short period of time. And because your husband can build the landing pages, he can easily add a question in there, I'm sure. You could easily make it like, fill in the question to hit submit, right? Like that wouldn't be hard for him to do, so... Yeah, it's nice being able to customize it for sure. Yes, right. you got a particular set of skills that not everyone has, so you should take advantage of the fact that you can do this. 
So that's what I would recommend. So, all right. So, hey, thanks for coming on the show with me. I'm excited, Jennifer, what you're doing. I think you got some cool stuff going on. And where can people find you if they're looking for you online? JenniferLillyMortgages.com and Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn are all Jennifer Lilly Mortgages. Right. That's awesome. Well, hey, keep crushing it. Send me an email once you've done some of these, or even better yet, put my email on your list. I want to see what you're sending. If you're okay with that, you know my email address. Add me and I want to see it. So I may reply to you once and say, hey, this is super cool, whatever. Like, put me on your email list. I'd love to see what you're sending out. Does that sound good? Yeah, I'd love to get your feedback on it for sure. Okay. Thanks, Jennifer. Well, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode with Jennifer. If you're listening to this and you're going, man, I would love to figure out how to get my mortgage business going. And if you're a rookie, go check out get10funded.com. That's get10funded.com. We have a webinar there that will walk you through exactly how we can take you from a rookie to rock star faster than anyone else and teach you all of the tips and tricks that we show Jennifer, plus a whole bunch more. So go check that out. Now in the next segment, I'm going to be talking to Ben McCabe from Bloom Finance. And we're going to be talking about some reverse mortgage stuff as well as alternatives. I think you're going to dig this. Hey, Ben, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Great to be back. So, hey, what's the topic that we're going to talk about today? Yeah, so I want to talk about reverse mortgages versus three alternatives that our customers are often considering when we're talking to them. Like one of the big differences between a reverse mortgage and a traditional mortgage is like a traditional mortgage is the only solution to a problem, right? Which is how do I pay for 80% of this house that I want to buy? For a reverse mortgage, you know, the problem is I have an opportunity or a cost that's arisen for me in retirement. And I have a few different alternatives in terms of how I want to pay for that. So we spend a lot of time talking to customers about, you know, the trade-offs, the pros and cons of a reverse mortgage versus a couple other options. Right. Okay, cool. So let's jump into it. What would be the first alternative that somebody would use a reverse mortgage for instead of some other solution? Yeah, sure. So one of the options that we often talk to customers about is they're thinking about maybe selling investments, right? So like if you think about somebody's overall wealth as like a pie, the average Canadian senior has 50% of that pie is in home equity and 50% is other stuff, right? Their RIF, their TFSA, unregistered accounts. So they could sell investments from that side of the pie, right? To fund whatever they're looking to fund. There's definitely some pros to that. Number one is obviously no encumbrance on the home. A lot of people are just more comfortable having their home free and clear, right? For whatever reason. Another advantage is obviously you're not going to be paying any interest, that reverse mortgage interest that is going to be accruing over time, obviously not going to be the case if you sell investments. A number of drawbacks, though, a number of cons to that solution, right? Number one is tax, okay? So if it's a non-registered account you're selling investments from, you're going to be paying capital gains tax on that, okay? If it's a RIF, you're going to be paying income tax. If you're going to be drawing over the you know, excess over the minimum, you're paying withholding tax. And so there's definitely a tax implication there. Reverse mortgages are tax-free. Another thing to take into consideration is opportunity cost, right? So if those investments that are in that account that you're selling from are earning you more than call it, you know, the 5% that you'd be paying on a reverse mortgage, even leaving tax aside, you know, there's an opportunity cost there for you. It's going to be more expensive at the end of the day than taking all that reverse mortgage interest. Right. Okay. So that was the first one that popped in my head was like, as soon as you liquidate investments, you create tax event. Then there's the opportunity cost of getting rid of the investment. So somebody has a situation where they're thinking about, I need to pay for unknown expense or whatever. I want to do something. Instead of selling investments, they could look at reverse mortgage. What would be another use case that you've found to think about? So a lot of our customers are empty nesters, right? Or maybe they've recently become an empty nester. An obvious alternative for them, downsizing, right? Selling, either downsizing or renting, right? So advantages of that, the pros of that solution. A reverse mortgage will typically allow you to unlock up to 55% of the equity in your home. Right? Obviously, if you downsize, if you sell your house and become a renter, you're going to be able to unlock 100% of the equity in your home. Right? So obviously, more money up front you know, also removes the headaches that can come with home ownership. Right? You know, obviously, you know, increasing municipal assessments year over year, maintenance, those headaches. 
Downside is obviously if you're selling 100% of the equity in your home, you're giving up 100% of the upside in home price appreciation, right? So again, that opportunity cost that people don't really think about is a really big cost to getting out of the housing market. And then even beyond just the financial implications of that, people love their homes, right? People love their homes. They want to age in place. They want to stay where they are. You know, a reverse mortgage obviously allows you to stay in that home that you love while being able to unlock a bunch of the equity that you have built up in it. Right. That's really good. And then what will be the third example of a use case for a reverse mortgage? Instead of selling investments, downsizing or selling. So instead of doing that, they could look at keeping 100% of the equity of the house by using reverse mortgage. What would be the third one? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say the most parallel products were reverse mortgage that we often come up against is a HELOC, right? Which is you know, a great solution for a lot of people, right? A number of advantages to a HELOC. Number one, cheaper, right? You're probably saving 200, 300 basis points with a HELOC over a reverse mortgage. Obviously, it acts more like an accordion, right? So you have the flexibility to pay back without penalty if you do come into cash. And you might be able to unlock more money, right? Reverse mortgage typically caps at around 55%. With a HELOC, maybe it's 65, maybe it's 80, right? So more money up front. A number of drawbacks, though, to HELOCs, especially for seniors, especially for our customer base. Number one is a lot of seniors or retired folks don't actually qualify for a HELOC, right? Because of the income stress test. They don't have enough income to pass that stress test with the B20 guidelines, okay? So it's not even an option for them. You know, number two is HELOCs. We talked about this before, Scott, is they're callable, right? They're callable. So the bank comes and decides that they want their money back and you've drawn a lot on that HELOC, you've got a big balance on that, and you don't have the income, you don't really have any other source of wealth to kind of pay it back, you really have no choice but to sell your house, right? Which is obviously not a situation that a lot of our customers, a lot of senior customers want to find themselves in. The reality is that HELOCs are just not built to be a retirement planning solution, right? They're built for younger people with income who can use them as an accordion, right? Drawing on them when they've got a cash need and paying them back when they don't, right? But if only you're going to draw on it, right? If the balance is only going to increase and you don't see yourself ever paying it back, it's really not built as a product for you, which is why a reverse mortgage is a much more powerful solution for our customer base for 55 plus Canadians than a HELOC. Right, right. Makes a lot of sense. So can you think of an example in the last you know month or so of client that you've worked with that was looking at one of these other solutions and then decided to like, you know. Last week, we were on the phone with a fellow who he actually had quite a bit of savings built up in his RRSP. He had a lot of savings built up in his CFSA. And he was telling us that he was making like, you know, more or less year in, year out, call it six, 7% from that retirement portfolio. It hadn't really occurred to him that there was an opportunity cost to selling those investments, right? He was only factoring into his math you know, the 4.99% that we'd be charging him on the reverse mortgage interest, he wasn't taking into consideration the fact that he'd be giving up on all that upside of a return on his investments if he were to sell stocks out of that portfolio. So it's something we come up against quite often. Right. It's just a matter of the way you look at it. So, okay. If you guys are listening to this, that's awesome. Thanks, Ben. Go check out Bloom Finance. That's bloomfin.ca. And Ben and his team will be able to help you guys with any reverse mortgages that you guys need. It's bloomfin.ca. And yeah, man, this is awesome. To me, I think of a reverse mortgage as like a golf club that you have in your bag. And you know, you got like 14 clubs and you don't pull it all the time, but when you need it, it's like, I can pull up that golf club, solve that particular situation. And it's the perfect fit for that situation. I think this gives people something to think about. Thanks, Ben. Thanks a lot, Scott. Hey, thanks again for checking out this episode, the interview plus the Ask the Expert segment. And if you're a new mortgage broker and you're like, hey man, like how do I get my business going? I'm not moving as fast as I'd like. We would love to help you out. You can go check out get10funded.com. That's get the number 10funded.com. Check out a webinar that we've created there that we literally give you a walkthrough of exactly what we do to help our agents succeed faster than anywhere else. So check that out. And thanks again for checking out this podcast. We really appreciate you. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.